Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations, Vernon. What a fall. All the way down the stairs. It's wonderful. But then you always were good at falling from a great height. <laughs> Can't compare, my dear Jeffrey, with your famous death scenes, which you have played so brilliantly. For so many years, bitch. Hey, sinners, I'm Shannon. And that means I must be Sean. <laughs> and this is Sinful Thoughts. Hooray! <laughs> so I hope everybody's having a great week. We are starting our arc, our, our, oh my god, I can't say, our October. Uh, it's a, that, that, that is uh, our October list. Um, so I know we, we announced that we were going to do something, um, you know, a bunch of special movies. And uh, we are kicking it off with dun, 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 dun. Night of the Living Dead oh, it's... from 1968. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> night of the Living Dead. The Dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the living dead. More shattering than your strangest nightmare. A, a jewel, a classic, and if I'm not mistaken, in the registry of films that I say are good, I know it's <laughs> it's in like what's the t- like t- top hundred thing that oh, they do. The 
as far as like horror movies go? No, or? the one uh, that at Arby's. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Like there's so many lists. Actually, I, I don't re- recall, but it's but it's up there. I think it's. I think what I'm thinking of is that I I, I want to say the AFI. It's like the top hundred movies of all time, and Night of the Living Dead is definitely in there. Right. That also could be completely false. <laughs> <laughs> saying it so it's true come at, come at me interwebs <laughs> prove us wrong but um but yes but if you haven't seen night of the living dead by chance <laughs> basically here's a quick synopsis for you so a group of survivors barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a horde of flesh-eating ghouls nice and simple right so this movie it was just on so many levels so good and another like like basically like another like miracle movie if you will right like so like they it was it was a bunch of guys that didn't really have a lot of experience they were just getting their feet wet with how to put together films and things of that nature and the it, it the the story itself is it's literally was a group of guys coming together to make a movie and when you watch like interviews like you know many years later afterwards with George Romero you know, like, he was kind of, like, the one voted to be the director, and, uh, he, and he was also the one that kind of, like, wrote the story. He did, he did admit that he kind of ripped off I Am Legend, uh, the, the yeah. novel. Yeah. So he did, you know, with a few tweaks of his own here and there, but he, he literally used the words, I ripped it off. You gotta love George Romero. He loved George Romero. <laughs> but, yeah, but he was just like, yeah, but he's like, you know, everyone voted for me to be the director, but... He's like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> it, it's it's one of my favorite stories of just like people getting together and it's like, let's put on a show. In yeah. this circumstance, let's put yeah. on a movie. This uh, reminds me very much of um, you get Night of the Living Dead, small independent uh, film, and then fast forward to, I, I guess it was, what, 99? And The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Small independent, yeah. but well-crafted, and look what impact that had. Yeah. Because Night of the Living Dead becomes like the big highest money maker for a small yeah. film at that Despite time. All the odds being really against them, which we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty on that. But it was it almost like one of those movies that should have been buried. Yeah, it, and it shouldn't have existed. And the the fact that uh, that it got to the level that it got to is it, it's it's an incredible feat. And what it's inspired since then, which is clearly anywhere and everywhere it doesn't even matter how old you are <laughs> you like you know what when we say the living dead or the walking dead or you know technically no pun intended with the title there but but you, you hear a zombie like you know what it is in 1968 they had no idea what a zombie was like what what were the rules you know like so and they made it up on their own i think the closest thing the that you would it. have had would have been Bella Lugosi's White Zombie. I walked with a zombie as well. The zombies in these movies are like walking coat racks. Yeah. Like there's n- there's really very little threat um, t- to the zombie. They're more like tragic figures, mm-hmm. you know, um, p- like put under a spell. Which you know you could draw a line from those movies to possibly like something like. Uh, uh, Serpent the Rainbow, right? You know where right. you're, where you're, you're, you're. I don't want to say possessed, but you're put under a spell, yeah, so to speak. But here's it's '68. Look, 
we'll talk about it culturally as well. We're in the middle of the Vietnam War. There's a lot of turmoil at home. Mm -hmm. And Romero and his crew come together and they make this film with a very limited budget, with the resources that they had, which turned out to be, you know, a pretty dilapidated farmhouse that was going to be torn down anyway. anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and they just use their their creativity and their imagination. Yeah. Now, this might be, this might, you might throw a shoe at me, but <laughs> Night of the Living Dead... I took him off. <laughs> I love Night of the Living Dead for what it created. Yeah. The, the, you, you think about the inception of the zombie subgenre and where it it has gone to, especially in 20, the past five years, you know, with oh, The Walking yeah. Dead and the a lot of the movies, which we'll mention, a lot of the, the good movies that most of which are not even U.S.-based productions. There's a lot, like Train to Busan, okay. South yes. Korea. Yeah. One of the most exciting zombie movies to come out yes. in the past couple I, of I years. I enjoyed that one a lot, actually. You know, uh, 28 Days Later, Danny Boyle, U.K. production, you know? I kind of argue that one, though. As zombie or... I don't, I don't say zombie. Okay, they all do right. Not. They, at the end... Um, if if uh if you haven't seen Twenty Days Later by now, skip this part. But <laughs> you know I'm a Twenty Weeks Later fan. I like that better. Okay. okay. But I agree with you. You're right. You're yeah. you're right. It by is... the end of the movie, they're starving to death. They're they're very much alive. To yeah, me, the... that's more. It's just more rabid, right? It's, it's it was like a like a rabies. They don't say rabies necessarily per se. They say you're infected with rage. Yes. That's <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> That's, that was a really good accent, actually. That was that was from my buddy Roy. We actually saw that movie at the Tribeca Film Festival before it launched, uh, you know, across the United States. We saw the Tribeca Film oh, Festival, fun. and the guy who gets macheted to death by oh, gosh, her, 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 her. son of a bitch. <laughs> Gonna fix it in post, but you know we <laughs> won't. Um, she's such a great actor, and her name is she's Money Penny in the fucking James Bond movies, and she's so good at it. She's very good. Yeah, she was great in those too. But the dude was sitting in front of me and Roy at the movie. Really? And um, Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. How could we forget you? So sorry. Sorry. Um, Naomi Harris was not there, but um, Danny Boyle and Alex uh, uh, Garland introduced the movie. Oh, cool. So I didn't get to meet him, but I get to see him with my eyeball sockets. Uh, Alex Garland, so Danny Boyle. And then the best thing was the guy in front of us who gets macheted to death, he brought his friends there. And he was such a nice guy because I overheard him talking to his buddies. And he's like, hey, there I am. Don't get too used to me. <laughs> sure enough. You like minutes, me too much. Yeah, five minutes later, he was dead. But but I'm, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm taking this all over the roadmap here. But the point I wanted to make to Shannon was I don't necessarily love Night of the Living Dead for what it is because I find that it's highly melodramatic. Um it's a, it's look it's a, it's a very well made independent movie and it is it's a movie of the time but i love night of the living dead it will be a classic to me for what it created yeah and what it grew into i i think for me personally of the dead trilogy i am a huge dawn of okay and i really love day of okay and night of is actually my least favorite okay but but that i might just be a dumb jerk because maybe that has to do with um yeah, fuck you for having an opinion yeah so, you know, <laughs> god 
gosh dang me <laughs> the the budget for for night of i think we're at 114 uh dawn of was only half million but it's what he did with that half million dollars, especially that like you know plugging it into a mall, and then I think for day of I think it might have been like three point four, all insanely low budget movies, but just like it, 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 I almost can't wrap my head around George Romero and John Russo came up with this story and they shot this film and it caught on, it, it had this cultural moment and it caught on, but it created this genre, yeah, like. They created it. It's so bananas to me that it started in 68 with this small little film. And then it goes to a a place of, you know, the Walking Dead franchise, which I think is like seven to nine to possibly 11 shows. And they spend between two and three million dollars an episode. Look what culture that created too though the, the walking dead i don't know if it's if this still goes on i'll admit because I've, I've been to only like one or two of them and i never really looked them up ever again uh just due to life but uh but they created a whole convention based on it, it was the walker stalker cons what the f- so they um so the first walker stalker con i got to go to featured some original what? people of night of the living dead what including bub from Day of the day of day of the dead. Day of. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> my my brain did a little glitch there. You I gotta apologize. be kidding me. But he and they were so nice. Yes, yeah, so I met Barbara, uh, Judith O'Day. Um, I met uh, and I believe Carl Hardman was there too. Um, almost positive he was there. Harry. And, yeah. Yes. My least favorite character of Night of the Living Dead, but that's on purpose. I but mean, that Harry's is on an purpose. ass. That's who he played. But he does it so well. And he then, really nailed it. Oh, and, and there's one more that I'm forgetting. It was. It oh, it was uh, Kyra Sean, the girl who played Karen. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That's okay. So let let's get into it because I have some questions. I have some questions that I wonder if you have an answers to okay because the zombies in um night of living dead they they use things like karen the the girl kills um helen her mom with the garden trowel yes but that was a really interesting scene too by the way okay so okay so they um uh the, the well when you hear uh kyra sean talking about it she Basically goes, like, she, like, they had her, you know, like, they, you know, cut it in a way that she's approaching her mom, and then she gets down, and she she's actually, like, going at it, yeah. right? So they ha- they actually had her stabbing a pillow. Okay. And she, <laughs> and, and kind of funny, but she's just like, yeah, she's like, so I just, because they, they never yelled cut, they just, they're like, no, keep going, or whatever, so she just kept stabbing <laughs> this pillow, she's like, I got to the point where I was getting so tired. But she was like, oh my god, only like. 13, 12, 13 years yeah, old. Yeah, like a 12 year old or something like that. So she, and, and but she was just so happy to be in a movie. She like just, like she's like the whole experience her. was so much fun. Um, 
it was exciting for her and but yeah but that scene yeah she's like she's stabbing a pillow and that's why she was able to kind of go like all full force they also had the zombie that um picks up a brick and breaks the window to get mm-hmm. at barbara in the cemetery yes so but here's the thing here's the thing sinners N- none of these things matter because george romero created that and then he has the ability to dismantle it in dawn of the dead Dawn of the Dead, then they... Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Dawn of the Dead, then they become the zombies that we're used to, of just, like, shambling mm-hmm. and can't use any any implements. And then, of course, then you... All right, this is when we're... This, get, actually, this is going to get spicy. Then you have 2004's Dawn of the Dead remake, <laughs> where the zombies are, like, flojo fast. And yeah. now we have fast zombies. But it, look, that's up to the discretion of the filmmaker. You can create any kind of zombie that you want to. I just thought it was it was interesting that I had really missed that previously, that they're using these things. Right. And that it didn't really cement with Romero. He completely changed it. Well, well, actually, technically, I actually got into a lot of arguments. And this movie will do a deeper dive, so I'm only going to... I'll try to keep this part short. For Land of the Dead, do you know how many arguments... Okay. I got into with people about the like no that's stupid zombies can't learn because that because okay because Land of the Dead was supposed to be like what 20 30 years after the apocalypse so now we, we figured totally we figured out Land a way to live or whatever as best we can with these creatures on the outskirts right so the and the whole premise was one all of a sudden learning yeah basically so their old tricks aren't working anymore things of that nature and i i argued with so many people that are like yo that's so stupid zombies don't learn and i'm like have you watched the old films yeah exactly they're using tools in in the original fucking movie that yeah. started it all and um and then there's bub from Day of the Dead, where, yeah. where they were literally like, can they learn? And he fucking does. So it's like, dude, he started this idea. He can do whatever the, the hell beginning. he wants. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, you know, I got into so many arguments with, with, with those people just from that movie alone. But it, you can, but yeah, you can argue with every single chapter, um, if you will. But, I... <laughs> whatever. This is where, <laughs> this is, this is where I'm like, but... Now I'm getting hot. Like, <laughs> horror horror f- f- fanatics. We're not like those weird superhero fanboys. <laughs> Our arguments make sense. Because <laughs> no, I'm right and you're wrong. We're all just so crazy. Yeah. We're all so crazy. But it's, uh, look, but, it's, we're but, passionate you know, about what we love. But I digress. So please, I, I'm sorry. I, t- I took us on a, on a tangent. No, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty easy, it's a pretty easy synopsis, uh, which is part of the charm of Night of the Living Dead. One of my favorite favorite kinds of movies which is a siege movie yeah. I love a good siege movie mm-hmm. so um you know and oh oh uh i did want to point out though shoot and it just just went straight out of my mind oh no uh uh i told you that um filmed in pittsburgh uh they used what they had readily available mm-hmm. including um, the locals they, they just would drive up to people's houses like hey would it be in my movie and a lot of people were like sure <laughs> This is what I love. And that's exactly what that's all it took. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is what I absolutely adore yeah, about Romero. They like next to no money for it, but they were like, we don't care. This... But now they have the credibility to talk about it, and to them, that's enough. Yeah, my man loves Pittsburgh, and he's mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to shoot movies in Pittsburgh, and you know where I'm not going to leave? Pittsburgh. I mean, just absolutely adore Romero. And then his, um, 
we'll, we'll get into it. I'm, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. But then his eventual friendship with um, Tom Savini, I just think is, I mean, it's adorable. It is adorable. Okay, one big happy family. Yeah. So that, so it, there is, there's so much to break down with this movie. I mean, it's, it, you know, like where, where do you even begin on a, on a legend like this? Right. So, well, we, we, we talked about where George Romero got the idea from, um, you know, they were working on it. I believe they even didn't even have like a, like a finished script when they started. They were like so excited, um, that they were just like, yeah, whatever. But, you know, I think they were writing it like still like while trying to get everything, uh, um, off the ground. Like, yeah. Look, uh, you know, um, uh, scout locations, uh, how, you know, where are we getting the money for this type of a thing and, uh, and, and whatnot. But yeah, how do you, oh, and also too, we, we should probably mention that the entire time that they were making this movie up until the very end, obviously this is like an infamous story at this point, but, um, it was called the night of the flesh eaters. Originally, yeah. So okay, so the the script itself, uh, George Romero wrote it, and he said right from the very beginning when he ripped off "I Am Legend," his title was "Night of the Flesh Eaters." Okay. Now, when it gets down to it, they film it, they finish it, they they do whatever. They uh, they finally get it to uh, the right you know studio that will pick it up. And they go, well, here's the thing: there's already a movie called "The Flesh Eaters." Oh snap! So okay. now we might get it confused. Okay. Now, in what happened was, um, they did copyright Night of the Flesh Eaters. In deciding to change it from Night of the Flesh Eaters, I think the, the guy in the studio, I forget his name, I will figure it out after, I wrote it down somewhere, I don't know. But he, um, but he changed it to Night of the Living Dead, and I, I don't think Romero at the time thought, he didn't really love it. But he was like, yeah, uh, okay, sure. They ripped off the trademark, and they didn't. They never put it back. That's why it's public domain. And it's been public domain ever since. That's why it also shows up. They're playing it in so many other horror movies because they don't have to pay for it. Yes. Holy Which in a way, snap. but think about it this way. I mean, granted, that kind of sucks. Yeah, you lost out on money because they they and they've never been able to see that ever. Ever. Oh, that hurts. So oh, that hurts. and that was really the reason why of the. I mean, I don't want to say shot for shot, but practically shot for shot, 90s remake. You know, I watched that. That's... I watched that this week to, to see the, because that was directed by Tom Savini yes. based off of the, yeah. uh, Romero was, rewrote was, a script. It was an attempt to get some sort of money back. All right. I so mean... that was technically why it, that movie exists in the first place. But yeah, but Night of the Living Dead it has been public domain. But think about it. That movie got passed around... Yeah. Like a freaking beach ball at a Nickelback concert. For <laughs> its own and, horror movie. And it's, I'm sorry, Nickelback. Nickelback, I'll kiss your face. You seem like nice people. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was good, though. You're getting the air high five for that one. <laughs> but but uh, think of all... <laughs> Think of all the free publicity it got. And I think that's part of the reason why it grew into this atom bomb that it created. <laughs> can't stop laughing. <laughs> let me give you let me give you a little preview of day one on the set of <laughs> Dawn of the Dead is Romero going, you're immediately going to the trademark office. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're oh, copywriting the George. shit out of everything else I fucking Look, do. That, m- was, that was a lesson learned 
I'm sure. They had to have made movie, maybe not theatrically off of the 90s Tom Savini one, Mm -hmm. but that movie was on cable every goddamn day. (laughs) In 19, let's see, it came out in 90. Because you can. (laughs) In 91, it was on HBO four billion times. Oh my God. And that's why. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so that that's that's the story of the public domain. All right, so wait, can we do... Because my, my Romero knowledge is probably not as good as it should be. Can we just do a quick, as we're both frantically looking at George Romero, IMDb? So he's <laughs> he's got the the um, quadrilogy, because I forgot about Land Of. Yeah. Did he, did he also do Diary Of? Yes. So, yes. what do you call a five? A quintrilogy? A quintril- quin, uh, so, quintuplets are... Quint- yeah, sure. Yeah, we're making... Yep. We're just creating words, I feel like. <laughs> okay. No, a quintuplets is five kids. A so quint- it's quintrilogy. It's quint- yeah, okay. so I do know that. I don't, I don't know everything, but I do know that terminology is true. I do know that Brad Anderson, who directed Session 9, mm-hmm. um, is directing the next installment of the Living Dead oh, really? franchise. Oh, Cannot for the life of living me. Living dead or dead? Uh, uh, living dead. Okay. Romero, not um, Return of the. Okay. We're talking about the Quinn trilogy, so now it will be a sex trilogy. Which, I think so. I mean, that's that's gonna, an interesting word. It is a very interesting <laughs> word. Brad Anderson, have at it. I want to say it's called Legacy of the Dead. I don't okay. know, but I definitely know he's attached to it. I do think you're right on that. That sounds familiar to me. All right. So let's just get into Romero for a hot second. So our man George has his his living dead franchise. It's so good. Look, you can you can pick your favorites and are they all as strong as the preceding movie? Maybe not. You know, there's point of diminishing returns as they go further i i feel but that's my own dumb opinion but then he's got the crazies right right mm-hmm. then he's got night did he direct night rider with ed harris and tom savini it's a weird movie I know he did martin about a motorcycle performers at like renaissance fairs okay and they're the, like their own community and i just remember seeing it in the 80s, and even as I was seeing it, I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be, but it's not a bad movie. 1979? Night No, wait, that's a TV movie. Yeah, yeah, this would have been like maybe 83. Wait, hold on. Night Night Rider? Like, um, there's a 1932, 39, 1939 with John Wayne, interesting. Um, let me see. 1992, no, that's definitely a Japanese movie. This one. I don't know. Am I looking up Knight Rider or like Knight as in like Knight in Shining Armor? Uh, Knight in Shining Armor. Oh, got it. Oh, okay. snap. You know what? I forgot he did the dark half. I, I never told- saw that. I totally forgot about that. All right. Shannon. All right. Sinners, hear a little peek behind the curtain. Maybe prep isn't our strong point. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The prep for our, our initial topic at hand, we are solid. But we are. When, when we branch off, we're not we're not ready for Because he's got Survival of the Dead. He's got Diary of the Dead. And then we get into the ones. So then I forgot you, about Survival of the Dead. Yeah, they're so right. did I. So did I. Um, he did. Okay, so he's got the dark half. Oh, my God. Two evil eyes. He did that? 
He did Monkey Shines. Yes. I'm about ready to throw my phone at you, and I don't know why. <laughs> I'm getting very excited here. Very, very excited. All right. Then we get into... Oh, for... Oh, for I, I, honestly, we... we we might have to quit the podcast. <laughs> he did Creep Show. We're not gonna. Well, no, we're not gonna. You all, you know, sinners were so excited. <laughs> oh, they were yeah, like, oh, finally. And, yeah, him and, uh... Son of Tom a Sweeney, right? Biscuit. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Let, let, let's, let me just calm the hell down. <laughs> so, we've got, we've got Night of the Living Dead in 68. Then we have, which is kind of getting a, a, a touch of a resurgence lately, and I really don't know why, Season of the Witch... So he directed Season of the Witch. Never saw it myself, but it's just... I think it, it's got a little heat lately because it popped up on Shudder. Um, then he directs The Crazies, which I saw the original. Mm -hmm. I actually prefer the remake with Timothy Oliphant and Melissa George. Came out, let's say, like maybe 2010-ish around there. Very solid horror film. Well, I think both of them are in their own different way the, the for sure the, the original crazies to me was a, a, a lot more about politics uh yeah so the original it, for sure yeah and so if you look at it at least on that angle um in that avenue then it's a very interesting movie and then the remake is more of a straight more up horror, horror yeah. show mm -hmm. let let's just get some yeah some thrills. We'll go more to the disease a little bit more then this is where I might lose a couple of sinners. Okay. <laughs> then he directs the amusement park in 75, and that got all crammed up everyone's ass last year because it it got a restoration in terms of they finished it. Yes. Because it was unfinished. Yes. And then it was released on Shutter, and then I watched it, and it was bad. <laughs> it was just a lot of people said that. I think it was just um, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't meant to be finished, and he should have left it alone. The opinions of the people on this podcast are completely their own. <laughs> Please direct your hate mail <laughs> towards Sean for this one. Then he directs, uh, then we've got Martin, which uh, is a good uh, a vampire. Lot, a lot of people love that one, yeah. Ish movie. Uh, you know, then he's got Dorney, uh, Night Riders, like we said, then Creep Show. I mean, look, I was just, I had forgotten that he really did direct some movies, none of which hit, like, stratospherically but he's got a really impressive horror resume yeah, especially really creep does. show which yeah. we will do that is one of my favorites maybe sooner than later maybe we have our october sussed out why don't we do creep show in november okay because i'm getting excited about that Me now too. creep show is so fucking good it's amazing so, all right you know what uh, look guys i just wanted to point out that george uh, a romero outside of the dead movies has a really good film resume yeah he absolutely does film uh, filmography if you will yeah if you took the dead movies out he'd still be solid guy yeah for love sure. it oh, absolutely love it from all accounts of every single piece of uh of research that i've done anyone who spoke of, of romero anyone who worked with him this dude was an absolute sweetheart that's of what a they man. said yeah you know, and we've spent the past six podcasts bringing up a director or an actor and then immediately going, scandal recognized. Uh, <laughs> all right, we have to separate the art from the artist. 
This is a very welcome, it, refreshing yeah, this is episode very nice, to do. Very refreshing. <laughs> Just like I mean, how how are you not going to love a guy who's like, I'm I, look, I'm a Pennsylvania native. Pittsburgh's where I live, and this is where I'm going to shoot all my movies. He's actually, I, I believe, a Brooklyn native. Get the hell out! Yeah, he he grew actually grew up in Brooklyn. I'm almost positive. Like most and, of the world, ended up and ended up uh, going to Pennsylvania and falling in love with Pennsylvania. So now, it's, now I love him even more. But I think that's yeah, I think that's a, a common misconstrue. Um, but, uh, yeah, because he mentions, like, he grew up, like, right, like, we're, like, like, pretty much, like, the West Side Story. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was just, like, gangs everywhere, basically, but, uh, but they, he said they mostly left him alone for whatever no, reason, no, so no. he must have just had clout, I guess. I don't know. Picture George Romero with his gigantic glasses, which I love and I must own. I have to get a pair of Romero glasses. <laughs> but picture him skipping out of his high school doing, like, high kicks and snapping yeah. his fingers. Like, yeah. He didn't do that. Sinners, that never, that, he didn't, that never that, happened. That never happened. But it's fun to think that. All right. So we've got, uh, I just want to touch on his filmography. Mm-hmm. Uh, great director in his own right, even outside of the dead movies. We're back to Night of the Living Dead. So he's shooting it on the cheap, using all the all the resources free, yeah. resources at hand. You want to talk about what's going on? I was just going to say, I want to talk about some scenes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's have so, at it. So obviously everybody uh, loves the, the opening scene, which they recreate in the 90s version too. You know, the, the brother and sister going to the cemetery. Uh, you know, the infamous scene where you see the very first zombie ever. Yeah. And, oh my God. And, oh my to, God. and at first they just think it's just some weird old guy, you know, just, you know, hence him, his brother immediately making fun of him. They're coming to get you, Barbara. There's, there's one right now. And she's like, shut up. Is that a hot take? If we say Johnny complete dick. <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy <laughs> with his dumb driving gloves <laughs> yes well you used to really be scared here Johnny you're still afraid stop it now I mean it they're coming to get you Barbara stop it you're ignorant they're coming for you Barbara Stop it! You're acting like a child! Look, they're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. He'll hear you. Here he comes now. I'm getting out of here. Johnny! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Great callback, though. Great yes. callback when Barbara gets it. Spoiler alert to a movie that's 800 years old, Sinners. Sorry. <laughs> Barbara doesn't make it. Unfortunately not. But, uh, no, but it, I, I do like that scene a lot. Uh, this is when, you know, you see the zombie uh, kind of chasing after her. Um and using the brick to try to get into the car. You just freaked me out when you said that we see the first zombie ever. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that That's nuts? just so crazy. I, and I feel like I wrote his name down and I apologize. I forgot. I don't know what I did with my notes just yet. But I will look him up in just a second. Because How- you... You just think about it. You you know. You just think about all the different, all the different you know, uh, uh, horror genres and subgenres and tropes, and this one is so. I mean, when you think about it, it's so f- new. Yeah. I mean, that started in '68, and you're going to talk about like vampires, and who even knows how far vampire lore goes back? I mean, like it's got to be. It's pretty far. It could possibly be BC. Yeah, it could, yeah, it, I don't know. <laughs> like, there's some sort of Aramaic vampire. They were calling it something else. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? All right, sinners. I gotta, I gotta watch myself because I start getting the red yarn out. And Shannon saw this last week, and you know when I go on my tangents and I get the conspiracy board out. No, I gotta just shut up. <laughs> like a yo-yo. Back to, back to you. Back to you. So, of course, everybody loves this opening scene because it's just iconic, obviously, in every way. Um, I personally actually, there's a, 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 a favorite scene of mine that happens actually right after that. Now, there's a scene where she finds the farmhouse. She finds the farmhouse and uh, and she, you know, gets herself inside, basically. Now, yeah. as soon as she gets inside and she leans up against the door, okay? And if, ever, if anybody can picture or remember this Just scene, watched it yesterday, so I'm with you. I'm and following. It, and it only works in black and white because they did restore this film in color and it doesn't work. At least in my opinion, it doesn't. However, so the black and white specifically version I'm talking about. The, the shading on this scene you only see her and the door everything else it's not completely blacked out obviously but the way the shading and uh the shadows if you will yeah and i just love how it's just her and right now in this moment she just lost her brother yep she is is like what three hours from home i think they mentioned and she's in shock and she's in shock and she is fucking alone yeah she is alone it's yeah. just her in this house at least for that one moment and i just i don't know it is it, it, it's it's heartbreaking it was sad and it was it was just so cool the way that was done i know it's like you know nothing's happening in this scene and we just got over like this this crazy like what the fuck was that like what's going on but i i really i just loved the cinematography of that shot i agree with you a hundred percent there are some beautiful shots in this movie mm-hmm. especially because it's black and white i mean the the um the shadows that are captured yeah. the, the 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 lighting and the shadows that are captured and the way romero plays with that and granted could some of these have been happy accidents? Sure, I guess. Yeah. You know, I don't know probably. if everything was intentional, but that's sometimes the luck of and the and the joy of filmmaking is that you capture these things that are just happenstance. Yeah. But like, then they're I, I don't think immortalized. They, I don't know if they meant to do that. Like, oh, I want the lighting to be but it's perfect a just shot. on her. But it's a gorgeous shot. So whether that was an accident or not, yeah, it's definitely definitely a, a happy accident, if you will. That um the farmhouse because we're we're talking about how we we uh we had the remake in in ninety. You know, of course. Uh, color movie and with you know more money thrown at it and more resources thrown at it and Tom Savini does an incredible job. I mean it's really the 90s movie is more of a it's almost like a like a 
Tom Savini practical effects workshop. Okay. Because there's a lot of great practical effect work in that movie that he's really showing off, and I'm there for it all day long. I don't necessarily think the remake is a great movie, you know, but as far as, like, what they could do between 1968 and 1998, 1990 special effects, that's really what the 90 movie is all about. The 68 film... The creepiness and the dread of those initial scenes of Barbara alone in the house mm-hmm. and the mute. You know, I, I, my one beef with the movie is that the music at times is just so incredibly melodramatic that okay. it's just hammering you over the head. No, it works. It definitely works. And if I have to put myself as a theater goer in nineteen. 19- 68 seeing this for the first time it's just like what we talked about with psycho you're seeing something new yeah because you're taking all these like melodramatic moments which is very typical for um for, for a movie in 1968 you're gonna have the heavy music cueing you your emotions and you're gonna have all that but then you're gonna layer this what you've never seen before of zombies eating people and i mean theater goers must have been like what the fuck is going on yeah what the fuck is happening right now what am i watching yeah yeah. wait they're what now yeah you know and then there's really no explanation there's these you know offhanded explanations of you know they actually first the radio is calling these uh zombies assassins that the country is being overtaken by by murderous assassins right um, which is very much 68 at the time with the death of Bobby Kennedy, you know, and, and, and JFK in 62. And then as it progresses, then it it's... A heavy, it was a heavy time, uh, for uh, sure. Yeah, and then... then um, and uh, it only gets heavier, but we'll, we'll get into that. Then the explanation further on, when they finally get the TV working, is that a NASA satellite has exposed a lot of radiation. It could be radiation. Yeah. But all, these are great, like, MacGuffins, because they're thrown away, really. They, they, they don't... They, they're not meant to land. They're not even really meant to explain anything because I definitely think Romero is very, and John Russo, I should say, the two screenwriters, they're very aware of the fact of, we didn't need to explain shit. Yeah. We create, we are, we've created this world. Yeah. Everyone's already talking about it in the real world, so why don't we kind of subjugate it and use it? Tap into that. And just, yeah, but, but we're going to, but we're going to focus more on our story and a uh, creation of what's possibly going on in the world, but the, but nobody can prove where it's coming from, so why harp on that when we can just create our movie? Okay. So now, it's, yeah. I have to ask you a question. I have to ask you a question because Dawn of the Dead is very famous for Romero's stance on consumerism. Okay. They end up in a mall, you know, and it's, it, it, he's just blatantly saying, look, this is, this is where we are now as a society. It's just, you know, abject capitalism and, and just gimme, gimme, gimme. And he's making a statement about that. Every, what do you bla- think? every Black Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think he's making a statement of in Night Of? Is it the isolation of that people are feeling isolated from the systems that are supposed to make them feel safe? Is that because that's what I'm getting a little bit. I don't think he had that too much just yet. I have a feeling, um, I mean, and, and this, this was never confirmed really or denied. Um, but it, I, I definitely think, cause if you really like look at this movie and then compared to the rest of his movies, right? So 
a lot of his movies, I feel like, were... Maybe not every one of them, but a lot of them were very, very politically based. And, yeah, and very, like, what's going on around the world based, like, taking subjects of that. So, ironically, he, you know... Not ironically, I should say. He... I, th- I think this just developed as a story, and he, he just said... Because he, he does repeat himself. He's like, we were just a bunch of guys that wanted to make this movie. Yeah. And we sought out to do just that. And, and um, you know, and they accomplished that and so much more. But I feel like the there's politics in making a movie, clearly. <laughs> there, you, it's clearly. inescapable. Yeah, there's, there's it's inescapable. They're, they're, like, every odd is against you. Everything, everyone is saying, no, you can't do this. Everyone's trying to change that. So I have a feeling if I could uh, take a guess, is making this movie, this experience, I have a feeling taught him a lot. A lot. Because one thing that he does talk about, and, and, I, and I, I'll segue into this now, because I really, really wanted to talk about Dwayne Jones. Sure, absolutely. You know, who plays Ben. He's like the main, the main character. He, so he was written... Um, he, they happened to hire Dwayne Jones. I think he was just recommended and they said like, yeah, this guy's an actual, like in acting. I think he had actor parents too. If not, if not both of them, at least one of them. So he kind of already had this like growing up wise, growing up on movie sets. So he, you know, and they, and he openly admits it. He's like, literally Dwayne Jones was the most experienced person we had in order to make the movie. Now, Dwayne Jones um, his character was written as a truck driver and he was just angry all the time. That's, that's what they had. Angry truck driver, hell bent on surviving no okay. matter what it took. That's okay. that, that was what he was on paper. Okay. And some, one of their other friends, one of their other guys was going to play him. But then Dwayne Jones got introduced, and they all, and they, they they liked him right away. They're like, he was a solid guy. He was very sweet. And he's a great actor. And he was a great actor. So, and he carries the movie very, very well. So they Such presence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they technically didn't change anything on the script. That's what they said. Like, you're a truck driver and you're angry. He's like, all right, well, how about this? So he, he tweaked his character a little bit. And, and honestly, they were just happy with it. They thought he was professional and he treated the work seriously. Okay. And that's kind of like all they asked for. And they were just like, you know what? This is good. You do you. So, right. so Dwayne definitely created Ben somewhat more into his own. Now, he did have concerns. Okay. Because okay. now if we remember, um, or if you haven't watched the movie, you'll see this uh, happen. He, in an attempt, nothing sinister, but he, in an attempt just to calm her down, because in the 60s and the 50s, if a woman was going haywire, he just slapped her across the face, and it was acceptable. We're looking at you, Sean Connery. (laughs) Possibly in hell. (laughs) But there's a scene where he has to calm Barbara down, who now gets out of her shock and starts freaking out, right? And he slaps her across the face. I mean, he must, honestly, let's just call it out. He must have been shitting that that was going to be on film. A black man. In 68. Slapping a white woman. Yeah. In 1968. Yeah. He absolutely said that. Yeah. He said it to them. And like, guys. Can we not do this scene? And and, and Romero was just like, we we probably, we should have listened to him a little bit more. But yeah, but no, he was, to them on paper... Dwayne Jones was, was, uh, I'm sorry, Ben, my apologies. Ben 
was written as a colorless character. Everybody okay. everybody technically was colorless. Like All this right. this is your character, this is what's happening, and scene. Yeah. So so Dwayne Jones was the only one that um transitioned a character and you know definitely made it more of his own honored the the originally written one as best he could and and went along with everything else but he did express concerns and they were like no nah, man it'll be fine it'll be great it's all right now, it's okay <laughs> romero claimed and stood by it all the way until his death mm-hmm. that that Dwayne Jones got the part because Dwayne Dwayne Jones was the best actor. Yes. And that color had nothing to do with it. No, not at all. So, with that in mind, and I believe George. I believe George. But with that... They didn't see his concerns at all. But that's the thing, is with that in mind... And and, and you know what? I could could see that you're you're myopic, you have tunnel vision, you're the screenwriter, you're the director, you really just want to get your vision on screen... And maybe it's more of a micro view instead of a macro view. Mm-hmm. I could totally get that. Yeah. Being caught up in the moment. But then, the, okay, then the, you have the finished product and then it's released. And then you have to deal with the with the controversy of that. The controversy of the movie itself because yeah. it freaked people the fuck yeah. out and think about how it ended now now another crazy thing oh well yeah we got to get to that so so yeah we're gonna jump around a little bit because again if you haven't seen that the living dead by now we can't help you <laughs> so okay so at the end obviously well the scariest black thing in this survives, movie black man gets shot yeah right by um the scariest thing in the movie for me outside of flesh-eating ghouls is your neighbors walking around with weapons, yeah. you know, like this ad hoc posse put together. Chief, Chief McClellan, how's everything going? Oh, things aren't going too bad. Men are taking it pretty good. You want to get on the other side of the road over there? Chief, do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? Well, we killed 19 of them today right in this area. Those last three we caught trying to claw their way into an abandoned shed. They must have thought somebody was in there. There wasn't, though. We heard them making all kind of noise. We came over and beat them off, blasted them down. So like it's just it's yeah. just the 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 blatant disregard yeah for human life which through the course of the movie has become the most precious thing of yeah. holding on to actual living breathing human life and then for it to be thrown away so haphazardly and so cruelly at the end i mean that's where Night of the Living Dead is melodramatic that it, that it can be that ending will always be so impactful and shocking to me no matter how many times i see it yeah. and then when romero goes from the ending of ben getting killed to those photographs which we're looking at you Wes craven <laughs> you absolutely you know uh, uh, paid homage to i'm not going to say steal because you use it so so well for the photographs in texas chainsaw massacre and of course you know i'll even give uh, uh craven uh props for using the visuals with the sound design of those old-fashioned light bulbs the yeah i mean oh my god (laughs) it just gives me it it gives me goosebumps right now but for that ending of going from ben's death to the photographs and it's just so cold and it's just it just hits you with a ton of bricks yeah and you know so now uh when after they finish the film right and they and they have it wrapped up and they're like we have our movie and they're they're gonna go now they're gonna showcase it do you know what fucking happens what 
the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, in 68, you're right. So, oh my now, God. So they're like, okay, we're about to show this movie. Oh my where God, you're ours. right. So now that, like, like I said, the, the I think the... Uh, the, the politics came later, right? Because because now like they finally get to a studio where they have to um, you know showcase this, and they had to fight to keep that ending. They were like, "How about we change it?" And they, and like they tried asking them to change the ending, and they were adamant to keep it despite all of this. Thank God they they because they, they said like ground. no, it was the, the it was supposed to be the irony of yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I know because nobody knows the rules. Nobody knows what's going on. All we all we know is that we want to survive and we want to, um, you know, like uh, this. I don't know if they meant anything by it. Like it's 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 just supposed to be ironic. That's what they wanted to to go with. That's how they wanted to end it, and they had to fight for that. Wow. Because of hiring Dwayne Jones. Because he was a black man, and because literally Martin Luther King Jr. literally got assassinated, like the day that they were taking it to the studio to, yeah. to showcase it. So now I, I know that I've probably been talking a good twenty minutes. No, <laughs> no, answer, no. This is answer, fascinating. To answer, to answer your question, I'm loving it. So now I believe all this experience, the politics got into Romero after the fact. I am going to agree with you. If you showcase all of his movies. And I, I think the, um, yeah, I, I think going into, uh, uh, like, I don't even know, like, the right words right now, because uh, I think I just blew my own mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I really didn't really think about it until we started talking about but, it. But you know what? But, um, but I think his experience honestly segued the, the way he thought about the, the, his remaining stories, especially this franchise, if you will. How could it not, and though, from what you're talking world, about? How the world, yeah, how the world reacts. So, so this movie's shot. Panic. This movie's in the can. They have the ending that is that that is the true original mm-hmm. ending, and then MLK gets assassinated. How could it not shape Romero's vision? I'm, you know, as a filmmaker in general, because, you know, then we're talking about four years later, he's making The Crazies. Mm-hmm. And that's a definitive statement. Yo. I mean, it's literally titled The Crazies. Yes. You know? But then then he, then he we're going to um, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and he's making a very conscious choice to continue the, the lineage of his protagonist of being... Uh, a black man can can I always I always mess up Ken Fury's last name. It is Fury, F O R E E, I believe it is. Anyway, he's such a dynamic presence in um, uh, Dawn of the Dead. So I love that. I yes. love that. And then you know uh, we already mentioned it that Romero is absolutely making a huge statement about consumerism. Uh, you know, it's it's just interesting that, and I agree with you completely that now you do have that lens to all of his movies going forward maybe not i'll frame it this way all of the movies that he has written all of the movies that that are his creations because then you've got movies like monkey shines and you've got movies like creep show and those are just they're just straight up genre fair and they're really incredibly well made there's really no political aspect that I can think of, I mean, I'm sure someone will find it and call me out on it, but there's, I don't really feel like there's much of a political aspect to say creep show. Right. Um, 
or, or th- that isn't already there from Stephen King's work, I should yeah, say. Mo- 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 the majority of them, yes. Damn, I can't wait to do Creepshow I now. I can't wait, now I know. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, November, let's not rush the year. Yeah. November will be here soon enough. <laughs> we do have other exciting things to talk about, too. Oh, so, boy, yeah, do I'm we. I'm excited. But I, I love the point that you made, and you also freaked me out because you, you dropped a couple of things that I had never really even thought about, which are kind of fleshing out the whole Night of the Living Dead experience for me that I can enjoy even more now. That's what I mean. I have a feeling like not knowing this, uh, rewatching this, uh, centers. I think I think you'll see it in a different light. Uh, or at least I hope you do. I don't know. Boy. Or don't. Or just enjoy them. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so now, do you agree? It's a very nihilistic ending, which I am all for. Because yeah. and it goes through a lot of like like hard, diehard fans will kind of walk around and be like, Cooper was right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Yes, all the movie was I correct. I hate to say it. I, yeah. I absolutely hate to say it. Hence, but again, but he was right. that's the ironic, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, really do love everybody in the movie. And I know, look, I know that, that he's that he's pulling from local actors and probably like, like local theater, you know, but everybody does a really good job in it. Everybody is for their own they're all pe- playing a, a a trope, you know. Yeah. You know, Dwayne Jones is is the steely jawed protagonist, and he's got his head on his shoulders. And Barbara, uh, is Judith O'Day, yes, uh, yeah, yes. Um, she is she she has the most interesting arc for me because she starts the film. We follow her, and we get to the house, and then of course, then we're introduced to the other characters in the, that setting. But she goes into legitimate shock. For a good part of the film, she's a lot of yeah, a lot of the film, it's it's like her moment is like really more so in the beginning, and then she has and the then she she's kind of like just sits on the couch a little bit, just uh... which is so understandable. Yeah, I mean her yeah. brother, she, every single character in this movie is dealing with the fact that now the dead are coming back to life. That's a lot. That's <laughs> that <laughs> so, is it's a lot to take in. You know, yeah. I, I mean there aren't snacks in the vending machine at work and I'm ready to call up <laughs> HR. Can I take long-term disability? So this is a lot, you know? So so her arc made a lot of sense to me. The arc that does make a lot of sense to me is actually the person who's got it all together and is like, this is what we need to do. We need to board up these windows and conserve our food and ration it out. I would be like, I think I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. You know, like, how would I do that? The most effective way? But... Then the tragedy of Barbara is that when she actually does kind of snap out of it and then is helping, that's when she gets killed. Yeah. Like she actually becomes a functioning member in our little band of survivors. And then again, fucking, ir- again, irony, fucking Harry. I mean, he did happen to be right that the windows and the doors wouldn't hold. And she gets she actually has the most troublesome and gruesome death for me in the movie. Okay. Outside of, of, of Ben getting killed is the most tragic. But she gets pulled into the crowd. Now, in 68... Does she get pulled by her brother? Yeah. She does, right? Because because her brother... She can't... You see the, you see his gloves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you literally see... The two hands circle her neck, and then you see him in frame. And then she sees him, and it's that moment of hesitation where she had the moment to push him and save herself but because it's her brother it's that moment yeah. too late and then he drags her onto the porch and she gets encircled by all the zombies and it's it's really gruesome you know yeah. it's 68 so you don't see anything but it's just you know what's yeah, gonna happen the, um, the 
uh, the like not implementation. Um, that's not the right execution word. of yes. the scene. Yes, and then you've got um, you've got Tom and Judy uh, who actually die. Again, like I think I would die in the movie. They make the run in the truck to the gas tank, and there's the the flaming torch from the um, the table leg is in the back of the damn truck, and in their panic and in their haste, they shoot the lock off the um, off the gas pump, and he's uh, gassing up the truck. But then he's so panicked that the gas gets everywhere. And they blow themselves up. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's not... This is the shit that would actually happen. Yeah. And it's funny because this is the shit that eventually did happen in a lot of episodes of The Walking Dead where people get killed for their own... I don't want to call it stupidity because how the hell would else would you function in, in a society gone amok? But they die because of their own, like, thoughtfulness. Because it's panic... And anxiety and fear yeah, it's are the three motivating factors. And, and again, like, what are the rules? Who's to say that you're right? Who knows? Right? Like, it's, you, you know, like, it, it's, like, okay, like, okay, so, like, Cooper and Ben were the ones butting heads, right? So, Cooper, I, you know, who ended up being right, I get it. But, like, uh, but but Ben, you know, boarded up the windows. He bought them time. He did. It's not that they, like, it, it, you know, granted, but, they wouldn't hold, but he, he definitely bought you time. I won't say Cooper's right definitively because Ben is right as well. He's like, you're in the basement. There's only one way in one way out. Yeah. If they, it, you know, if they do happen to get through your door, that's it. Like at least here we have room to move. Ben's problem was there were just too many windows. Yes. In the <laughs> you know, it's a, lot, I it's mean, a lot to go by. Yeah. <laughs> look, sinners, it was a great selling point because the house got a lot of natural light. The downside is, it is just a zombie smorgasbord. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it it, it yeah. didn't it and didn't. Fun, fun facts about the basement. Um, that was a set. The uh the the house. The it was in the basement of the, the farmhouse. farmhouse didn't have a basement. Oh, all right. Yeah, the okay. actual farmhouse. Yeah, so just I don't know. Has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to say that. It's the magic of movie making. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, it just it 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 is just a classic. But again, my my love and admiration for this movie is just the incredible world it created. I agree. And I think, look, there are two things about George Romero that I know for a fact. Well, we know there's one thing I know for a fact. There's one thing that I'm just going to assume. And the one thing I know for a fact is George absolutely would have loved more money from his <laughs> property. He was not shy about saying it of just, oh, this no. fucker didn't make any money. I but get, but I get it. it depends on how you look at it because what if he did trademark it? It wouldn't, again, it wouldn't have gotten, I think, the the flow that it ended up getting of everybody seeing it and everybody going, you know, no. in one aspect. Who, who knows if we would have gotten the... This was the way it was supposed to have worked out. Yeah. You know, I mean... It's just, this is the way that we're lucky he that this was the way it worked it, out. He didn't get but he got a legacy out of it. But the second thing that's just an assumption on my part is I think George Romero would be, and probably was, and would be now, just so excited and tickled about what he created and where it's gone globally. Yeah. You know? Because that's, for me now, this isn't my favorite sub-genre, but it's a sub-genre that I will always 
hunt out good zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's your favorite subgenre? If you, I, I don't mean to spring this on you, but like like a horror subgenre. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Um, that's difficult, honestly. I. Mine's because... creature feature. Okay. Mine's creature feature. Okay. Um, which I guess this could technically be like an offshoot of. In a way, in, in a sense, yeah, yeah, you can you can kind of look at that as a, as a, a creature feature, in well, a sense. What do you it, think, though? I love a monster. I guess that's what I I just love a monster. Okay, okay. I think I don't know. I mean, I definitely like a good dramatic movie. Like I I do like things that have poetry. Okay. Um and. Um, you know, where they, like every angle, like like certain shots, like not necessarily mean something, but, but just beautifully like, framed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Artistry. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, and granted, I've seen movies that like are that look pretty, but like the story itself doesn't execute. Who's your so favorite do- director? Then it does have to be a good package. Uh, so, right. I don't have one. All right, well, all right, all right. But wait, then what I are don't have one? If the if this are the parameters that you're setting up, then what are some of your favorite films? Oh, there's too many. Ah, we're, yeah. we're talking about them. <laughs> these these answers are so political, yeah. uh, sinners. She's ducking and bobbing and weaving these questions. Yes. I'm trying to. De- I'm definitely trying to box you in a corner. <laughs> there's, there's, there's way too many. There, there. Honestly, it's, all right. I, I think those moments will arise for certain movies and certain, um, uh, you know, films that I think, I think it'll pop out as we talk about it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I can't hone in on just one. I really can't. Horror can be crazy though. It can, I mean, yeah. There's me- too much. Because again, a good, a, a good creature feature is fun. A monster is fun. But you could also watch her seasonally. Like yeah. there are just so many variables that can point you that that can point you in a direction of oh yeah, I need to watch this now or yeah, th- these this is the time of year where I watch this, you know, or or even holidays. Like yeah. and I don't know, maybe look, there could very well be two people in a basement right now doing a podcast on rom-coms and they're saying the same damn thing which I would would thrill me. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. Yeah, or like someone's doing a podcast on historical movies, and they're like, "Yeah, these are the times of year that you have to do it." But horror is there. Are just so many different variables. It could just be like a moment. It, horror is heavily nostalgic. I do feel like that plays a huge hand in it as well. Of like, you go back to your childhood and you're like, these movies made me feel good. Yeah. You know, and this happened to be the time of year where I watched that movie or, you know. Or genuinely scared you. And that's yeah. like, it's, it, it, so being scared, it, it's, 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 it's a thrill, right? So it, it's like, that's, it's when you're genuinely that scared, like it's what more moment do you feel more alive? You know? Okay. Now put yourself, let's say you're, you're 18. It's 1968. Um, and well, shit. I mean, if it's sixty-eight and you're eighteen and you're a male, <laughs> you got a lot more things to worry about than Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You got some real-world fears. Um, uh, it was heavy. It was a heavy time. I mean, you're waiting for your number to be called up in the draft. Mm-hmm. You would be actively looking for escapism, and yeah. this would have been just catnip, you know. So, so there's that. Sorry to bum everybody out. Shit. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I just deflated myself in real time. I'm like, oh man, like, oh, man. Oh, why did I do that? <laughs> but 
But with that aside, oh, look I, what it's created. Yeah, I mean, and so, that brings us to now. <laughs> all right, so 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 let's switch gears because I wanted to get into I wanted to get into what Romero has given us. So we have the zombie uh, uh, subgenre, and now it's it's a global gift. So some of the movies that I wanted to to point out, which are favorites of mine, sure, and you know. We've talked about Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Sinners, you've already listened to that episode. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, but the uh, there's what I really wanted to point out were the foreign films, the international uh, zombie movies. So I I mentioned Train to Busan, South Korea. Sinners, if you haven't watched Train to Busan, it's a great film. It's a really good film. Mm -hmm. It's kinetic. I mean, this movie picks up and like a train. It just does it not stop. Goes, yeah. It oh so good. Um, but we, you got Peter Jackson. He does Dead Alive, mm-hmm. New Zealand sinners. If you haven't seen Dead Alive or Brain Dead by Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, seek him out. Great, um, great films, right? Yeah. But then how about this? Then you got uh, 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 Lucio Fulci is like, um, hey. George, hold my beer. Yeah. Um, that's one. That's one of my favorite zombie films. Too, I think with, with the clay zombie. The, the guy fights a shark. He fights a fucking <laughs> shark. Also, one of the best practical effects: the eye and the splinter. That is. So I, I, I want to hold off on that okay. because we're right. totally. I have. We need to do that movie, and I absolutely want to break down that scene. All right. Oh. So we're fleshing out November right now. We're going to do Creep Show. We're going to do Zombie Two. Sure. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Zombie cool. as well. Yep, zombie. There is no zombie two. <laughs> it's not called zombie two. What do you mean? I thought, full cheese? I thought I thought that movie was called Zombie Two. And there was no zombie one. We're gonna have to Alright, alright. I'm I'm good. I'll bet I think I'm wrong, but let's bet a beer. Let's let 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 let's bet a beer. Who is ever wrong has to buy the other one a beer. Okay. Okay. Um Shaun of the Dead, come on. Oh, Edgar Wright. I, I like Angry Orchard, Sean. son of a bitch i know i've already i know i've already lost god damn you okay here's a little bit of a deep cut which i don't know if you've seen you ever see the living dead at the manchester morgue no it's on shutter sinners check it out i just i didn't know about it so i'm not being a smarty pants I caught it on Shutter just on a whim. I was uh, probably supposed to be doing work. If anyone from Merce were listening to this, that's a joke. It's definitely doing my work. And I was hunting through Shutter, and it, the poster, like the screen grab, caught my eye, and I put it on. It's a real good like, movie. Like the, like the movie poster? Yeah. I love a good movie poster. Right? Oh. Wait until we have merch in t- t- 2042. It's going to be <laughs> epic. It's going it's to blow your socks off. <laughs> Get your pennies together now, sinners. <laughs> then you got, uh, just real quickly, you have Dead Snow from Norway and Dead Snow 2. Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2 are so... I haven't seen the second one. It's so like, good. In, in its entirety. It's but so I, good. But I did, I did really enjoy the first one. It takes the craziness of the first one, and it just is like, if you thought that was crazy... Punch it, punch it up a notch. <laughs> there's a scene where a zombie grabs the protagonist and throws him through the ceiling of the house. He goes through the floor and then falls down the steps, <laughs> and the zombie picks him up and hits him in the face. <laughs> 
I mean, it's seriously like um, it's like a car- a, a living cartoon. I need to see what that's it's streaming on. I need so to, I need to watch that now. Fucking good. <laughs> I might go home and watch it. I'm lie. Oh my god, it's so good. But <laughs> all right, continuing with Full Tree, we got the Beyond, which okay. is is technically zombie as well, right? Okay. Okay. Maybe even House by the Cemetery is would be zombie. It's zombie, right? I think so. Shit, man. We're. I mean, now our Full Tree is getting pretty fleshed out. <laughs> <laughs> Wordplay. <laughs> I love when you say it, and then, and then it hits you like a second later. Like, oh, you see what I did there? <laughs> I was so proud of myself for the stupidest things, sirs. So, but hey, I'll, I'll admit it. Um, oh, oh, uh, it, from France. The Night Eats the World came out a couple of years ago. It, some people don't love it. I really enjoyed it. Um... Then you got Cargo with uh, Martin Freeman from a couple of years ago. That was Australian. Uh, Blood Quantum from Canada came out on Shutter just a couple of years ago. That was also, I don't know why, but that was also a little bit of divided. People either really liked it or really did not like it. I thought it was good. Okay. Um, One of the Dead from, believe it or not, Cuba. I actually, so One of the Dead, I enjoyed that film so much more than I thought I was going Freaking to. Freaking movie's funny. It's hilarious. It's got a great sense of humor. I don't humor. know what I was expecting when I when uh when it first came on. Um <laughs> it's funny. It, it it definitely takes you on a ride. It's it's it, it's a ride. Alright so sure. one of the dead check out and then I'll, I'll just I'll just finish up quickly with um the US US ones you know we all know about Return of the Living Dead. The franchise, yeah. Uh uh, what was the the, the other oh, U.S. one that I wanted to mention? Ah, uh, the Dead franchise. I mean, the yeah, the Living Dead franchise. Anyway, I wanted to finish with two of my favorites, which you might fight me on, with, because of Twenty Eight uh, Days and Weeks Later. Would you consider Wreck and Wreck Two zombie movies, no. or or those? No, I or think those that's virus a, movies. I think that's virus. I oh, personally think they were virus. I think you're right. I think, I, I, I think so. Oh, you're totally right. Because then we find out it's not even a virus; it's a possession virus. Is that? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, completely yeah. right. Yeah. Well, okay. in, well, I think only in the original, right? If the second one, I think, was more virus. The the, the American remake took because that's what I remember. Like the huge difference was right. So like they're all practically shot by shot remakes, but the original was really religious based. Where yes. I feel like that was taken out. Of the American version, it was hundred percent taken out, and I yeah. yeah, so I do think that one is technically more virus based, where the original was possession virus based. Okay, and so, then the, so yes and no on that. I, I'm I gonna believe, right? I agree with you. That is, it, it's not, it, it can't be zombie. It's virus. So even if it's possession or regular, um, just mm-hmm. like a disease. If you if you like if you want to break down the rules, like it, no, they're technically still alive. They're just. They're not themselves anymore. They're not sure. eating people. I think the definitive thing is, do they eat them? And they don't. So that is not a zombie movie. But is it a movie that is well worth your time? If you haven't seen Wreck or Wreck 2, I don't even know why you're listening to this podcast. Go out and watch it right now. But also finish the podcast. But, finish, but, but stay, don't, stick with us. Don't be a jerk. All right. <laughs> the last one I wanted to mention, it's technically... Oh, you know what? I, I was just about to spoil it, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to say, Japan, if you haven't watched One Cut of the Dead, it's a lot of fun. And you should definitely check it out. And the cool thing is, it got remade in France 
I don't think it's called One Cut of the Dead, or maybe it is in French. Uh, but they did a remake of that movie, and it comes out this year. Or okay. maybe in 24. So we'll have to check that out. But that's... Look, that was just... My point was that here we have this movie. It creates this whole world. And now incredibly creative people are kind of picking up the torch it's getting passed along and then they do their thing and then they pass to the next country and then they do their thing yeah and now we have it's, it's interesting their takes on on them yeah now we have this this like huge delicious sandbox of movies in this world and i just i i, I really do love it subjugated from 1968 okay <laughs> now we're 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 just coming up on a little little bit of over an hour, but I just want to talk just for five minutes. We'll box ourselves in here. Just do want to talk about the the TV and the cable world that George created. Okay. Now, of course, we have the, the Walking Dead, and it's multiple multiple spinoffs, and it's still continuing to this day. Uh, with the Daryl Dixon just dropped on AMC, but then you have offshoots of it, like one of the most popular shows last year was the last of us yeah now granted that is a that is a um not a zombie that's more of a fungal infection yeah that's a, a completely different story but uh but but same atmosphere but heavy into end of the world yes we have you know monsters among us um anything else that comes to mind that stands out the walking dead suck sucks up so much oxygen in the room i can't really think of anything else like <laughs> what would come out that would like battle it? it it's such a behemoth i can't think of of like people like hey i've got a really great idea for a zombie show and every single person would be like are you kidding me man <laughs> you know so but they're still making they're still trying and they're yeah. making them today and, and they and they work i'm waiting for or, the... well some of some of them do some of them don't <laughs> movie or tv i don't care or even shit a book I am definitely waiting for the next, like, where we're headed to next with it. Yeah. There was a great comic um, years ago. I think it was called Dead World. Okay. And, of course, you know, the comic was what the title suggests. It was a world, it was Romero's world taken over by zombies. So, and the zombies were now sentient. You know, they had completely evolved, and they had their own colonies and their own society and then, really, they viewed humanity as the disease that need, needed to be stamped out. Gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah, that is so, interesting. So stuff like that. Like, I'm just waiting for... humanity gets tested for things of this nature. As They, they have played that a lot on that. Um, and, and it's not even just zombies, too. I feel like any outbreak type of situation, any, any global... I mean, I mean, look at what happened in 2020. Our, our own humanity, I yeah, think, we was, brushed, we brushed was up tested, against it a little bit too uh, close. Just, just a little bit, you know? So it, it's it's an interesting factor because it's it's definitely something you, you cannot ignore. It's It comes... Excuse me. It comes into play. That was... You, you, did you hear that, Sinners? This is the beginning of our horror movie. That was Shannon's first tiny little cough... And now next, yeah. Now fast forward three know, episodes from now. We're both we hit record and we're just going. Send more paramedics, more brains. <laughs> oh damn! All right, so sinners, we're we're gonna wrap it up here. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode because you'll be bouncing off a couple of of weeks prior our Return of the Living Dead 
episode. So this is, they're not back to back, but this is a nice little, you know, we're, we're putting the, the pieces together here. Yes. As always, spooky season. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Just wanted to mention our socials just before we bounce because we would love for you to follow us on Instagram. You can find us at Sinful Cuts. Remember, gang, it's C I N dot F U L dash C U T S on Instagram. So it's spelled a little differently, but that's where you can find us. Sinful Cuts, Instagram. We're posting. I'm so proud of my partner. She's doing audiograms now, and I love to see them. So if you're really sick of hearing our podcast, wait until you go on Instagram and you get little snippets of us there. So as always, go out there and seek out some good horror, and we'll talk to you next week. Shannon, take us away. That's a cut. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.